across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm going to read you the menu. It's fantastic. So we get better flavour because of the fen soil. I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before, I think. I shouldn't have said almonds. They don't make it from almonds. <laughs> so you've got this big sticky mess when you start off. Pizza pot pies! My wife's cakes are selling up hot cakes. Brilliant, thank you. The time is right for this sort of thing. Food is everything. Cambridge is right for this sort of thing. What's it like? Delicious. <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to Flavour, food and drink in and around Cambridge. I'm Matt Bentman and I am here in the studio with Sue Bailey. Our colleague Alan Alder is away at the moment, but he should be back for the next episode, hopefully. And today we've got a show about tea, cakes and wild food foraging, sprinkled with a dash of local foodies and jobs. So let's begin with a trip to Cambridge Market for our first feature. Now, Sue, this came about because you mentioned in a new segment just recently about the Tea Apothecary. This is a store that sells loose leaf and bag teas and hot tea to go. Now, I love tea. It's always... It's always rankled me a little bit that it's so easy these days to get a coffee, a fruit juice, a smoothie. It's not quite so easy to get a hot tea to go. So that was my first question to Victoria, the owner of the Tea Apothecary store. We're Britain, you know, we love tea, and yet everybody is addicted to the coffee culture. Why are there not more tea shops? It's a reflection of the times that we live in and the society that we have. People want to be stimulated, they want the caffeine shot, they feel tired a lot of the time. So it's also just part of changing that physical state. And also it's quite a cold country, so walking out with a hot drink is something that we want to do. Tea is not really a convenience drink as it is right now. And I think that to your point about why aren't there more tea shops, because we don't have a Starbucks of tea. We have a tea shop, we have a tea room, we've got an afternoon tea place and maybe in a quaint hotel or, you know, when you've got time to linger, you'll have a pot of tea for two and some little joint in Cornwall. But you don't have a Starbucks or Costa, Cafe Nero's, a Predamonger of tea. You know, tea is still quite a niche product. People come and ask me for some very, very specific teas. So it's something that I think that we're at the very beginning of that journey, but I do think there will be a change in dynamic about how people like to enjoy their food in general. You can see that in food. People are going away from fast food. Obviously not everyone, there's still enormously successful chains. But people are looking for more like that slow food movement, that artisan, that homegrown, that organic. And I think we're going to see the same thing with what we drink as well. Well, I certainly certainly think that. thing with tea is the combinations really are just endless. You can blend tea with anything. I mean I really have to stop myself from experimenting too much with my flavors and confusing my customers. I have plenty on the Etsy shop that I stock because I love playing about and experimenting with blends. But yes essentially all of them just offer you a different experience from something that may be a familiar base. So everything that I'm looking at here you have created yourself. 
Yes, so some of the teas are just more unusual teas, like the Genmaichi green teas produced out of one province in Japan. So that doesn't require any of my personal blending. That is just a very lovely, fine tea made with toasted rice, and I love introducing people to it. But certainly, most of my range is something that I create and concoct from blending herbs and flowers and fruit pieces and blending black and green ingredients to give them you know, a very different life. So here I really try to offer people something different, maybe introduce them to something new. And of course people come to a place like the market to experience something. So I'm hoping to offer that experience to people by having a changing hot tea menu and a cold tea every Sunday when I trade. Uh, you've been here about a month and a half, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> You know, we're coming out the tail end of COVID. There's so many pressures economically on everybody. It seems like it's a hard time to start a new business. And yet here we are on a nice sunny day and you're selling tea. I think it's a privilege to work for yourself and set your own schedule. Nothing's really easy. Having a regular job is not easy. Having a market stall is not easy. One thing that is something specific to starting a business is that it takes time. Of course, you've got very good days, you've got slower days, but it takes time to really develop a reputation and have your regular customers and that's what most market storeholders will tell you you know it's kind of a long game there's never really a perfect moment to do anything you just have to start and see how it goes and also how you start is not how you finish you take something that you think is good and then your customers will tell you what they actually like and what really works and for me that's the reason why I started if I wouldn't have started in the market I wouldn't have started this business I think because Certainly with something like tea, you want people to experience your product, give you feedback, and it's an interaction. So uh, opening an eBay shop is not the way to go for me about this business. And certainly the most enjoyable part of my job, you know, you said I look quite happy doing it. It is meeting people, talking to people, and certainly being part of this uh, very special trader community as well, which is, is its own little world. Come inside and have a nice cup of tea. You left, presumably, a safe city job. I could imagine nine out of ten people have that dream, but they don't act on it. And I just wonder what it was that made you finally, I am going to do this. I think this thought about having my own business has also been niggling at me for a very long time. It's funny, when, when you're meant to do something, life will find a way of pushing you. I kept trying to make the city job a place where I felt happy. And then I realized that none of that wasn't going to be the answer because what I really wanted to do was sell my tea and be my own boss and, and start my trading store. So I, I think what makes you happy and what success looks like is a very individual question. For me, success looks like freedom. I, you know, I create these teas. It was an idea and then I made it and now people buy it and they enjoy it and they take it to places all over the world as gifts. And that's a very, very special thing to have started. I'm really glad that I followed that instinct. It wasn't immediate, but at some point you just have to make a decision. Some people are very scared of the concept of, oh my gosh, if I make my dream my job, the dream stops being a dream. It stops being romantic in a way. And it becomes its own anchor. People are scared of realizing their dreams, but they say they don't meet your idols because you'll be disappointed. I think it's important to go into everything with your eyes very much wide open. I didn't expect to put a trestle table out and you know, retire in my Miami mansion the next day. <laughs> things become different when they are in the real world but in some cases they become even more wonderful it's a very very gratifying thing to work for yourself and make money off your own skills look at it on a much on a bit of a longer term basis and you know what if you realize that your dream is actually just a trap and actually it isn't what you wanted well that's fine then isn't it and you can have a different dream but at least you've given this one a go and you can take that off your list mm -hmm.
Shall we talk about some of the teas now? Yes, yeah? tea. What we're looking at here, you have two stool tables, all filled with tea. Now on the front we have the floral teas, is that fair to say? I call them wellness blends. There are four categories, black, base, green base, fruit base and herbal base. For those people who are sensitive to caffeine or they prefer having non-caffeinated drinks or something different, the herbal and the fruit teas cater to that. For those who like their more traditional teas but maybe want to experiment with something new, they have the black and the green based teas. And then of course you have the hot and cold drinks on offer. So whilst you were working in the city, you were designing, you were thinking all of this up at the time. You know, I can almost say a parallel to that is when you are I've got two children and you know when you are when you're pregnant it's like it's just happening so I almost felt like I was in my city job but all the time I was thinking about my business creating the logo the concepts the colors looking for inspiration it was just happening to me so every spare moment I would think about what used to blend it was a very strong hobby before it became a job I put up an Etsy shop just to allow people to purchase when I'm not trading because I do just trade in the Cambridge one day a week. So I wanted to give it an alternative way of purchasing and the shipping is free as well. So I wanted that to, to offer that to people. So it's essentially just another way that people can get across my teas. Uh, well, come along, Eddie. We're dying for some lovely cups of refreshing tea. They're like my children to me. <laughs> But look, there are definitely teas that are my runaway bestsellers. So the Royal Grey, which is a botanical Earl Grey blend, mm -hmm. the botanical G&T, the gin and tonic flavored blend, and my Teddy Bear's Cup tea, which is a, a fruit-based like apple and hibiscus tea, are the ones that, that perform the best. I'm always proud to see how people react to them. You know, I've got my sample station here, and when people take off the lid and they take it in and they go, wow, I mean, that's the best feeling, right? That is just... That, that is an incredible feeling to know you've impressed someone with something like that. So I work on more new flavors all the time. That's an exciting part of the process for me as well, is to see what might be the next hot bestseller. I'm Victoria Roth. I trade as the Tea Apothecary. The best place to find me is my website, which is tea-apothecary.co.uk. I am proud to be at Cambridge Markets every Sunday, 10 to 4, by Franco Manka in that entrance to the market. Well, it's been lovely to talk to you. Wonderful stall here on the Cambridge Market. A pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. And you're listening to Flavour on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yeah, many thanks to Victoria. And nice to have an extra place to get some tea. I really liked her enthusiasm, you know, coming up with new recipes and the way that she had everything planned before setting the business up and leaving her old job. Uh, quite frankly, I'm jealous, so I'd love to do that. But unfortunately, I'm sort of stuck at the Reggie Perrin stage where I just want to walk into the sea and disappear. But luckily, this program keeps me from doing that because it is a, it's just great, you know, getting to meet all of these people who put their passion fully behind their businesses, get a real quality of life boost, as well as making and selling great food and drink that we can make a fortnightly program out of. Now, details of free food available in and around Cambridge, the information about what's available and where to get it comes from the Olio app, which exists so that people's or businesses' surplus food doesn't go to waste. Yeah, Olio, spelt O-L-I-O, is free to install on your smartphone or tablet. You simply tell it where you live, you set the distance you're willing to travel, and bosh, it'll show you all free food available within that range. 
Now, anybody can give surplus food away, and anyone can come and collect it. So, looking at Oleo today shows that August in Trumpington has a box containing sugar, instant noodles, syrup, peanut butter, tahini, and crispy onions to give away. Nikki over in Arbury has a box of six fruit and grain strawberry bars going spare, as well as a bag of new unopened self-raising flour. Ambrosia custard and a tub of smash. Remember that? She's also got tins of chicken soup, vegetable soup, and mushroom soups. Jars of rosemary, sage, and Italian seasoning. Again, all of this is brand new and unopened, and a jar of hot chocolate too. So very generous is Nikki. And finally, Gemma, also in Trumpington, just off the high street, has a jar of coffee and a tin of that fancy Illy classic coffee to give away. And that's what's available following a quick glance at the Olio app. And don't forget, there is another free app called Two good to go and this one features unsold food from restaurants and shops often at less than half price uh, rather than specifying each leftover item the surplus food is simply packaged as a magic bag ready for you to take home instead of it being binned at the end of the day's trading so now time for some local food news and now the summer's on its way we can expect plenty of events and fairs first up is the east anglian game and country fair at the euston estate in thetford if you're listening to our live show then the fair is on today and Sunday the 24th. Food-wise, you'll find Cambridge Artisan Cheese, Charles and Mike's Distilling, Cherry Tree Preserves, who make jams, chutneys and curds, Field of Cheese, Mad Mike's Chili Jam, The Olive Architects and plenty more. And congratulations to Maurizio Dining on Mill Road. The Italian restaurant won an environmental award from Cambridge Sustainable Food for its green practices, which is going to augment by monitoring and improving its energy use, amongst other things. Maurizio Dining has been on Mill Road for about five or six years now. The site used to be the locomotive, but it's now home to Maurizio and his team, and they also serve aperitivo, which is early evening drinks and snacks with friends, much like Clown's Cafe used to do on King Street. And on a side note, Cambridge Sustainable Food are going to publish a food directory that champions local food shops and traders who are getting fully into the sustainable side of things. Great idea. Mm. And just like the rest of us, food banks are feeling the pinch with rising food and energy costs. Food donations tend to drop a bit as we head into the summer months too. Fresh food is something that many don't necessarily think of when it comes to food donations, but fresh is as important as the more traditionally donated items of tins, cereals, pastas and so on. Yeah, that's right. At Co-Farm on Barnwell Road and the Cambridge Cyrenians and others, they regularly donate fresh harvested veg to the banks. So do collect food and donate it at donation points in supermarkets if you can. And there's other options too, such as sponsorships and donations online, which can be done at cambridgecity.foodbank.org.uk. Yeah, also Cambridge City Food Bank has opened a new Fairbite shop in East Chesterton. Now, Fairbite is this service offered by Cambridge City Food Bank designed to provide longer-term support for people experiencing food poverty. A Fairbite, I got this information from their website, by the way, is different to a regular food bank in that it operates this membership model. So, members pay a small membership fee, say £2 per visit, to come into the shop and to select up to 10 essential items, you know, like pasta, rice, dry goods, fresh fruit and veg. The £2 contribution gives people a sense of ownership and it ensures that they can access food and essentials without loss of dignity. Members get referred by the CAB or family support workers so that those most in need get access to the service. 
Now there's a new cafe in town called The Box Room. It's at 58 Regent Street near the Warhammer shop, which is appropriate because this cafe is dedicated to board games, so you can eat and play. Admittedly, this is slightly old news as it's already been reported in Cambridge News and the Cambridge Tab, but it's nice to see a venue like this open again, catering for gamers. Locals used to attend the old Tivoli on Chesterton Road for board game matches and Magic the Gathering sessions, but that suffered a fire and roof collapse seven years ago and is yet to reopen. Mm, uh, just a little something now because it's a favourite of mine. The Geldart pub in Sleaford Street, they make iced coffees now. They also have this really beautiful beer garden so in the spring and summer sunshine it's the perfect place the drink is in the vegetarian and vegan van the wandering yak sadly has stuffed a few staff and mechanical problems lately but it's back on the cambridge street food scene now having first begun in 2015 they cast a long queue down mill road mile for their wares these days you'll be able to find them at the various food park venues and if you're listening to a live show on saturday they'll be at the bank Micropub in willingham this evening now, Alan did a feature on the Food Museum in Suffolk a few episodes ago. Uh, they have an exhibition running at the moment. It's called Every Garden Matters. This is to encourage us that urgent environmental change can really start at home. The Food Museum also runs a bread oven twice a day throughout the holidays, making hot cross buns and Easter doves. And you can check out more of what's going on there by going online to foodmuseum.org.uk. Cambridge Sustainable Food is holding Good to Grow Day 2022 at several locations across the city. And it's not just for one day, as the name implies. Today's events are just coming to an end, but it's continuing on Sunday 24th of April at Co Farm Cambridge on Barnwell Road, Midsummer Common Community Orchard and at Cambridge Central Mosque's Islamic Garden. Each venue will offer something a little different, preparing vegetable beds, transplanting seedlings, planting flowers and herbs, thinning out the blossoms, and you can take potted plants home with you. More info is available on cambridgesustainablefood.org slash events. Uh, one final bit of news here, uh, repair cafes. Now, repair cafes operate a little bit like pop-up events. You can take your broken electricals to repair cafes and specialist volunteers will attempt to get them working again, saving you money and keeping your waste out of landfill. Now, currently, there is a push to raise money for repair cafes. And if you donate to the Cambridgeshire Repair Cafe Network between now and the 29th of April, the Big Give Green Match Fund will match your donation, so making it one donation with twice the impact. And, of course, the cafes are actual cafes, too, so you can expect hot drinks and homemade cakes whilst you're getting your electricals fixed. There'll be repair cafes popping up at Fullbourne, Willingham, Swavesey, Cottenham, and also the Edge Cafe on Mill Road will have its first repair cafe in early July. So for more information, just head to cambridgecarbonfootprint.org and look for The Big Give or the Repair Cafe Network. Time for our next feature, and it's Steve Thompson, the foraging chef. Steve is a regular voice on flavour, and in our last episode, he took us on a wild food tour with safety tips for when you're out foraging wild food, such as how to handle nettles and avoid giant hogweed, and how he substitutes certain ingredients for wild plants in his kitchen. Today, we carry on that trip, learning how to forage responsibly. Things like pestos are a really nice way. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's a really good vessel. It makes a wonderful fresh soup. Okay. So yeah. think leek and potato soup and then put, put handfuls, of, handfuls, of, handfuls, handfuls of, of this in. And where, how far down do you go then from the... Because I see you're just picking the tips. Yeah. 
How much of the plant would you use? So basically look, use where it looks fresh. Because the stems are so soft, you can use the stems as much as the leaves. You don't need to pick it down. So it's just where it starts to get a bit manky, basically. But it's a wonderful salad leaf. So just having fresh in salads and stuff, this is one of the easiest to have. And it grows in carpets, wherever it grows. And it keeps coming back, doesn't yeah. it? It keeps All coming the time. back. And it's another one that's around most of the year. But this is a lot about what it's about. It's about plants that you'll have in your back garden that you can use and that are easily accessible. But yeah, chickweed, Stellaria media. So it's got the classic square stem to it. Well, the mint family. Yeah, it's part of the higher classification of mint family. It's yeah. another prime example of how plants can hurt you by touching, but it's because it's got tiny little needles that put the acid into, basically. The way to not get stung by these is to be confident. And what we'll have a look at later is the myth of what you do when you do get stung by it. So it's not dock you're looking for, it's a plant called ribwort plantain. It's a plant you should know, but you might not know by name. And it's up, it grows up in the woods a bit further up there, so we'll have a look at it, and it grows next to the docks there. It's such a sustainable plant to pick, because if you take the tips like I have here, it keeps sending new tips up. Actually, a week later, you'll have fresh tips again, so... so the tips mm. are nice. The tips, are, the tips are the nice. The bigger leaves are very, very... Chewy? Tough. Yeah. And they're not that pleasant. So although they are edible, you wouldn't want to. And also when the plant gets older, it sends a lot of acid into it all. So it's not that mm. good for you afterwards. Yeah. Mm. So you want the nice spring ones. You want the young ones. These are dwarf nettles. So okay. they're all under the same classification of binominal. Yeah. But these are the really small ones. They're oh. a lot more aggressive looking and they sting a lot stronger. There are different yeah. types. There's like the dead nettles, aren't dead there? Dead nettles, yeah. They're actually slightly different. They're not actually yeah. part of the same binominal, okay. is it? But yeah, and dead nettles, to be honest, I don't think has that great a flavour. But yeah, it's a good way to think of it is like free spinach. Yeah. because it's a bit more iron and a bit stronger and a better flavour, I think. Yeah. A much better flavour. But it's another plant that's really easy to identify, really accessible, and it's very, very good for you, full of iron and everything like that. So it's something we should all use in our diet a lot more. And yeah, pick the tips, go for it assertively, and you very rarely get stung when you go for it. Try and find a patch like I did where you can get the stem and go for it. If not, just put some gloves on and grab them. Yeah. <laughs> So what but is this then? This is Aromacticulatum, or Lords and Ladies. Is this is one. Lords and Ladies? Yes. It's, it's very young leaves, isn't it? It's very, this is the much bigger one. So, so I actually had a chef send me a picture yesterday of a basket, very proud that you found a load of wild garlic. And the first thing I spotted was a big old leaf of that. And they grow literally in together. The stage where it's dangerous is not when it gets like that, because that doesn't look like wild garlic. No. Yeah. When it's first shooting up, yeah. it shoots up exactly the same time yeah. as wild garlic, and it curls slightly. And it looks almost identical. The way to tell the difference is to turn it over. So you can see that the veins run like cracked yeah. ice. Yeah. So this is covered in oxalate crystals, which are basically like tiny little needles. So although it's a toxic plant, but it's because of that that it's toxic. So the risk of death is through your throat swelling up with it. It's like chewing on glass. It's not one that you really want to handle and touch. You can't see the crystals, can you? No, you can't. But it's a really nasty mm. one for that, really painful. Yeah. You'll be really sore for about 24 or so hours after chewing on that. It's really not very nice. But a lot of people mix it up with wild garlic, so it's a good one to familiarise yourself can with. Can you touch it? I mean, you'll touch it. Yeah, I mean, I'll it, touch then. it, yeah. Do you want to no, you won't this won't kill you unless yeah. it swells up so it's going to be secondary things but it's a good plant to get to know and it really does look yeah. the same as well garlic oh i can see i can see this leaf here that yeah, does go. look very much like yeah. a young wild garlic yeah. isn't it? smaller ones so i yeah. luckily called yeah. the chef yesterday who sent it to me and said please don't feed that to your customers because wild garlic the veins run top to bottom on the plant straight yeah. up lines and this one the cracked ice look and it's, hmm. the, it's the easiest identification feature so when you're picking wild garlic just make sure you check the back of every leaf smell is not enough with alliums no. mm. it's enough to identify it first but the oils in them get on your fingers yeah. ah, so you then said, anything yeah. else you pick you we'll can smell that oil it's very hard to use that yeah. identification feature turn the leaves over look at the back 
So although we're not looking at wild garlic today, it's something to remember and that is a plant to remember that grows by it. And we've got here another lovely plant, which is another garlicky plant. Because it's a brassica, part of the mustard family, it's got that real mustardy flavour to it. Mm. And yeah, if anyone wants to have a chew, <laughs> I, 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 chew it on the side. Yeah. If you go for the base of it, you'll get more of a mustard. Put it into mm. one side and chew it like a pack of tobacco. Yeah, you mm. want to chew it because this is a plant to crush to get the flavour out. Mm. So if you just chop it and put oh, it, yeah. you don't get a lot of well, you keep chewing it, keep chewing it. So, although it's a garlic flavour, it's not an allium species, mm. it's a mm. brassica species. Yep. So your broccoli, your cabbages, really your mustards nice. and everything. Oh, and it's wow. a lovely mm. one. Mm. People cook it and do stuff like that. It, it just, it's not worth it. It's really yeah. nice in a pesto and then <laughs> spread on sort of chicken breasts yeah. and things like that. It is, but you don't. I wouldn't make it as a pesto in a blender. No, That's it's a, a crush. A yeah. Mm. So we quite often bash it up and bruise it and crush Jack it. And Jack, and it Jack by the Hedge. Jack by the Hedge, Aliara petiolata is its proper mm. name, but it's known as famine food because you can survive on it, but it's not very tasty. Well, yeah. actually, I disagree. It's very tasty. It's just about how you process it. And lots of things with bitterness, you can get bitterness out of things yeah. quite a lot by leaching it in water and things like that. So that's how we kind of thought about it, played around with it for a while. And I think you might have had the dessert. You certainly served it that we do with it, which is an order catkin sponge pudding. Yes, I did. We're doing mm. the golden syrup and miso parfait. Yeah. Yep. And nice. then magnolia vinegar and overripe pears. So your pears that you leave sitting on the side until they're really squidgy. Yeah. And then simple like that. But it's got an amazing, like, there's definite notes of celery, a real perfuminess to it, and it's a powerful flavour. So, and the older voice has the little old, older cones It has well, the cones and the catkins yeah. at the same time, the male and the female, yeah. And last year's fad was people trying to use hazel catkins and stuff. There is no flavour to them at all. Mm. It's just a fad that people try and do. The only no. ones that I've found that are worth it are the older ones, but you have to put them through that three-boiling process and then dry it out. It's very much worth it. They're absolutely gorgeous. But it has the big seed pods that come up on um. the top. And those seed pods, we're not, they're not around at the moment, but they are the best and cheapest replacement for sep mushrooms. Well, the, the, the leaves, you said? Yeah, the leaves is so the sting and nettle Am stings. I right, Steve? Are they the ones that come Ribbon? up and they've got plantain? A, like, it's Ribbon a candela plantain, of... Yeah. It sort of runs up like a spiral of the berries all the way round. Is that yeah, the one it's I'm a little brown of? kind of seed husks yeah. on top. So if you get them when they're a bit younger, before they're really dry, and chew on them, it is identical. You can taste test a set mushroom next to it. This is Doc, and the reason why people think that this was the stinging nettle sting cure mm. is not from the leaves. It's actually from this little bit in the middle. So it's the centre stem of it, mm. and you can see that sap that comes out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like aloe vera. Really good moisturiser, so you can rub it all in your hands, and it's like... Oh, it's sticky. It's, yeah. Where's that? This is Doc, and this is where, where the myth from uh, stinging nettle stings comes from. Oh, it is cooling. It's not. Well. It's actually oh, a really nice light moisturiser. Oh. So it's not. It doesn't actually help the stinging nettle stings at all, but it's quite nice for you. And but that. you're saying that it but, has to be from that core bit. Yeah, the, so if you look in the centre, well, that's where I've cut. Mm -hmm. You've got the centre stem of the dot plant. Let's find a better example. Ribwort plantain. Is the ribwort plantain here as well? Yeah, there's, it's, they're right next to each other. So the ribwort plantain is the one that you actually want for nettle stings. Okay. So chew it up into a poultice and then rub well, it off. And, and ribwort plantain, if you use, how do you use it? I take it, dry it and grind it into a powder. Okay. And then use it, or I take it and use it as infusion. So get loads of them into a cream, and then you've almost got a mushroom-flavored cream out of it. Mm. You, you dry it in a dehydrator. Yeah, to make it into a powder, but you can also use it fresh as an infusing one. So there's two there's two types we get here. We get this is the ribwort, and then we also get mm. the broadleaf, right? Which when that sends its seeds heads up, they're the long thin ones. Oh, uh, that's the one I was thinking yeah, of. Yes. Whereas ribwort comes up, and it's a long stem, and then you've got a little brown husk on the top. It's actually part. It's a rumex, so it's part of the rhubarb family. Yeah. And what we do with this is there's a recipe on, on my Facebook page called Sticky Docky Pudding. So it's our take on sticky toffee, but with Doc. And we take the stems and we chop them up and then we candy them. 
they get so, they get very big issues. They do, yeah. So when I was when I was young, <laughs> I was living in Friesland. We used to uh, sort of snap them and chew on them. Really? Really? Lovely. Lovely. Wow. I'm a, I'm a country girl. But those things children don't remember anymore. People no. don't do it anymore. It's sad, isn't it? And there'll be more from Steve Thompson and his wild foraging tour next time. Good stuff. OK, we're off for a two-minute break now, and we'll see you on the other side. Cambridge 105 Radio. Monday evenings on Cambridge 105 Radio. Strummers and Dreamers with Les Ray. As there are so many different kinds of folk songs out there. Traditional ballads, shanties, work songs, songs by singer-songwriters of all kinds, my particular thing. You'll get live sessions and interviews by local performers and those from further afield, the big names on the scene and newly emerging independent artists. Lots of new music, some classics and something special just for you. Strummers and Dreamers online whenever you want it and Monday at 7 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Are you suffering from buffering? Find yourself screaming, not streaming? Or do you just lag behind? Then it's time to demand better broadband. City Fibre is building a brand new full fibre network across the UK, giving you access to broadband from a range of providers that's more reliable and up to 20 times faster than average. So you can stream, game and video call without interruption. Get connected to full fibre today. Choose your provider at cityfibre.com slash Cambridge 105. CKLG Accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Lawrence, Director of CKLG, responsible for business services. We understand that running a successful business brings many challenges. Our experienced business services team provide a bespoke service and offer professional advice at every stage of your business journey, allowing you the freedom to focus more on what you do best. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists or visit our website cklg.co.uk cklg accountants your partner in business your partner in life music signals time for the latest food tweets from the city yeah just a couple of bits quickly food park is on now at eddington market square so you can expect lots of meat veggie and vegan vans such as buffalo joe's and rotisserie you got anything so i have indeed well it's st george's day the start of the asparagus season and broomsfield farm has just tweeted that asparagus is going to be on the market today at ely farmers market and cambridge market go get some spears <laughs> you know, when I was growing up, I remember a lot of new drinks coming on the scene. I remember Cherry Coke, Lipton Ice, Mellow Birds, Sprite, Red Mountain. And at Cambridge Market, there is a stall selling a new drink. Now, I say it's new, but it was more or less invented around the same time as Cherry Coke and Sprite. It just took 40 years to get here. It's called Bubble Tea, and if you go down to Cambridge Market today, you'll find it at Granny Ma's stall. So maybe I can make you like a classic, regular bubble tea. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pour a spoon of tapioca into the bottle. Uh -huh. We're going to put the sugars, like two circles of it. Cube of ice in it. Yeah. Just pour the black asante. 
and the last we'll pour the milk in. Okay. Last we'll pour in the silly machine. This is come from Taiwan too. Uh huh. So then we able to shake it. Why do you shake the drink? Because the sugar is in the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. So we shake it to make it like the flavor be better. Yeah. Cool. So after it, we put the straw in it. Yeah, and that's all. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Yu Chao, and we are at Granny Ma's Bubble Tea. It's a Wednesday afternoon. It's a very, very blowy afternoon, but it certainly <laughs> hasn't stopped your customers from coming along. Yeah, it's usually be busier on Friday and Saturday, so it's quite quiet today. How long have you been here at the market? I have been working here for almost one year. This will be my last month working here. Yeah, because I'm graduating from my master's degree, so yeah, I'm, I'm going back to Taiwan. Wow. Uchao and her colleague Fatima are both students on Anglia Ruskin's highly regarded illustration master's course. I went to an exhibition of graduating master's illustrations about 13 years ago. Every student's work was unique. It was wildly interesting, captivating. Every single one of them had a different style. And here's two of them working at Granny Ma's Bubble Tea on the market to help pay for their studies, pay for their rent, and so on. You know, there's so many people at the market with hidden skills. Did you know, for example, the guy who runs the Shui Cam coffee store? He's a Cambridge physicist. Because we are all studying in the children's book illustration for master. Oh, is that at uh, Anglia Ruskin? Yeah, in Anglia Ruskin University. Yeah, it's very famous, that children's illustration course. Yes. Yeah. Like, everyone who walks in here study in that course. <laughs> oh, your, your yes. colleague is working. Yeah, also. She's the first, it's her first day today, and yeah. she also study in that course. Yeah, I'm first year student. So you are her replacement then, both on the course and here at the Maybe. market? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Plenty of customers at Granny Ma's bubble tea stall. I had to keep pausing my recording so that they could be served. But with time marching on, I thought, well, why not ask some of them what they like about bubble tea? Has it replaced another drink that they used to buy? Lots of soft drinks tend to taste really sugary, even like just juices and like having the option of having it low, low sweetness is something I quite like. So I'm not really that much of a fan of things too sweet, but still having like the fruit flavor. And I mean, just like the tea flavor as well. It's just nice. Yeah. And the varieties as well. Like you said, you, you picked out a lychee one. I mean, yeah. lychee itself is gorgeous. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's quite a popular flavor as far as I know anyway. Yeah. Well, I basically saw it online and I thought yeah. it looks really cool, so I'm going to try it. And then I came here and I got one and I'm just fascinated by the way it pops in your mouth. The way it just pops in your mouth. See, she's referring there to the tapioca pearls, chewy little bubbles, pearls, boba to give them their actual name. It just is soothing, so I prefer it to normal drinks, it's almost like more exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had it before. But from what my friend says, it seems really nice and like the flavour, yeah. the, the way it pops on your tongue, like she said. I'm just like intrigued by the way it looks as well. Are there particular flavours that you prefer? I like the mango. The mango is probably my favourite because I just like the fruit. So We provide the fruit tea and we also provide the milk tea. For the milk tea, we combine it with like Yassam tea or oolong tea or jasmine tea and we imported all of the tea from Taiwan too. And for the fruit tea we have like passion fruit tea mm -hmm. and we also have mango, lychee and lemon for different flavor of iced tea. Yeah. yeah. 
I can imagine the the lychee one is must be quite popular, right? Yeah, I think a lot of people will like the lychee milk tea, mm -hmm. like the milk tea, and we add lychee flavoring it. That's quite popular one. Yeah, childrens they like the passion fruit tea more, but for adults, I think they like the milk tea more. Yeah. I do. I really enjoy how bubble tea is a mix of tea, but you have their milks with it. And as you can maybe able to hear, I'm an American. I first had it when I was in Canada, and it just blew me away one one time. Yeah, it was just different than anything I've had before. I like uh, brown sugar milk teas with uh, tapioca, but tapioca is always my go-to. So you got a quite a sweet tea. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's sort of instead of a juice at home, my two seem, they're 17 and 14 and they seem to substitute it for that. They don't drink hot, hot drinks very much at home. And it is quite a fun thing for them, I think, just the widest straw, the sort of almost sweets at the bottom. It's definitely a treat for them. Every bubble tea that you buy at Granny Ma's comes with a straw, but there's two things about the straw. One, it comes in different sizes, and two, it's made from bamboo, as Uchao will now explain. I think because it's designed for the bubbles, and we also in, like, imported this from Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And this is made by bamboo, so it's like totally eco-friendly of it, yes. So the large straw helps the person to suck up the tapioca Yes. Pearls. Yes. Yeah. For the big bubbles, we have big straws, and for the medium, we have the medium straws. <laughs> there's lots of shops in America. When every time I go home, there's a I can't remember what it's called. What is it? It's like just just bubbles or something like that. I always go there. It's like right next to my mother-in-law's house. I always go there to get some. <laughs> a cursory look online at the history of bubble tea says yes. that it uh, originated about 40 years ago in Taiwan. Yes. Here in Cambridge, on the market. The demographic of your customers, is it the students who prefer the bubble tea or is it yes. all ages? I think it's students, they prefer the bubble tea most. Mm -hmm. And we also do a lot of like party or bowls, like they order a lot of bubble teas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, plenty of students ordering bubble teas for parties and for parties on punts on the cam. So, with a menu of different teas available, I wondered what was the most popular flavour amongst the Cambridge punters? I remember there's a, always like a couple of, of girls, they order the brown sugar milk tea. I think the brown sugar milk tea are like the most popular drink in our store. Yeah, so everyone's ordering that again and again, yes. Just regular tea and coffees. <laughs> Very unusual American tea drinker. Yeah, I grew up on Earl Grey. <laughs> <laughs> So here we are, this will be a customer's first ever taste of bubble tea. I'm not stabbing yeah, I'm, it. You're stabbing it. I am. You got this. There you go. It's mango, right? Yeah, it like, it like pops in your mouth. So we'll get a ball. Whoa. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I found out about bubble tea. I saw it was a big craze online in the past two or so years, but I wasn't really able to buy any over COVID. But I kind of discovered that this was the perfect stall when I'm able to get to it for bubble tea. It's definitely like highly rated. I've seen it online everywhere. And I just think it's, it's super fun and interesting. And like, I love it. I'm a big fan of it. So <laughs> I ordered brown sugar milk tea <laughs> with tapioca balls. <laughs> Which they said is the most popular one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I saw a picture of it online and I thought I had to try it out. It looks so beautiful. <laughs> It's also worth noting that they have seasonal bubble teas as well. Uchao told me about this vegetable one made with taro. Oh, taro is like a sweet vegetables. So we put it in a blender with the milk together. So it will be like a sweet drink. 
And it's good to combine with uh, tapioca. Yes, a lot of people like that in the winter. Yeah. Okay, we are Granny Ma's bubble tea, and we are located in the Cambridge Market. And you can find us on Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Lovely, great to speak to you. Thank you. So that's Granny Ma's bubble tea at Cambridge Market. You can also check them out on Instagram. Their handle is Granny Ma's. And there's some good shots there of other seasonal drinks that we didn't get to mention in that recording. So with the weather heating up, you'll find that they will be bringing out a cooling tall iced mango tea, which looks a little bit like a, a neon version of those caramel pots that you get for pudding instead of a yogurt. And hey, maybe brown sugar milk tea could be the name for a new Stones track. On to our final feature now, where I met with Dan Grief in Oakington. He runs the deliciously guilt-free bakery. With less sugar in a box of their cakes than in a slice of bread, here's a brief tour around their kitchen. All of the things you see here, you've got the raspberry bakewell and you've got the peanut brownies. All of them are made out of ingredients that won't spike your blood sugar. And that's because my wife, Bespa, had gestational diabetes, so pregnancy diabetes. And as a doctor, she realised she wanted to keep her sugar levels down as low as possible, rather than having to treat the sugar spikes. And so that's where this all comes from. We now have made different types of cake and now also chocolate that are perfect for anyone who's diabetic. But also if you follow a keto or low-carb lifestyle, you can have these because they're made out of almond flour and not real flour. We use natural sweeteners as well, so that's also no GI kind of enriched foods. If you think about the foods you eat, the glycemic index of the food means the sugar spike you'll get from eating that food. And so carbohydrates generally break down in your body to sugars. Whereas what we've developed with this food is foods that don't have that GI index score, which means that when you eat them, your body effectively will just digest them just like they would any nuts or any protein or anything like that or any fats, for instance, it won't give you a spike in your blood sugar. And that's what these are. So, yeah, not having a spike in your blood sugar yeah. is obviously good for not getting those sudden hungry pangs yeah, when, exactly. you've, when you know you've just had so something sweet. You know what? So many of us have this kind of hormonal cocktail every day where we've got leptin, ghrelin, insulin going up and down, up and down, making us hungry, making us then want to eat more food, making us have high sugar spikes. High sugar spikes, by the way, are bad for all of us. And I think... If we were aware of that more, we'd be turning away from sugar, certainly, and probably eating fewer carbs as well. Because if you have this high spike in sugar, your body, the insulin, turns it into fat, into fat cells. So if you think about the weight gain problems that we're having in a society, a lot of that comes from sugar and carbs. I also want to show you something else. So the next thing we've been developing recently is not just cakes and cookies, which we've been developing the last year or so, but also chocolate as well. And so this is our chocolate making area. So we do bean to bar, so we have to make everything from scratch. So that's our cocoa beans, which are being ground down with cocoa butter. Ooh. And then we've added some sweetener in there. It's just crunching at the moment at the very end, to get air being added into it. That looks um, beautiful, beautifully smooth. Oh yeah, it's, it's really, really good. And the fact is it's been in there for almost, let's see, about 36 hours now. So you, you have to really just to get the particles as small as possible. And then we also do white chocolate, which you can see has just been tempered. So this stuff was made two days ago, and now we're just tempering mm. it to the right temperature. Mm. And effectively, it's the same as any other chocolate, as long as you've got a good chocolate without the seed oils and whatnot. This is just like any other decent chocolate, made like cocoa butter, and we use sweeteners instead. And because the lactose is quite high in things like milk chocolate and white chocolate, we use whey powder and cream powder to up the protein and fat content. I see, okay. Remind me what tempering means and why yeah. you have to temper. So you have these things called triglycerides, which are the fat cells or the fat molecules, should I say, inside the actual chocolate. And they can form six different types of crystalline structures. 
if you get the, the right one at 33.5 degrees centigrade, they'll actually lock into each other and make that lovely snap. So if I show you here yeah. some tempered chocolate, this is, you can try some of this if you like. Ooh. This is some of our- Oh yes, you know, I can hear that. There you go, look at the snap. Oh, listen this to that. This is some of our milk chocolate. Yes. That's um, 0.4 grams of carbohydrate a square and even less sugar. So that's sugar free. Mm. This is sugar free? Sugar free, yeah. Now what you should be mm. tasting there, this is a difference with our product, you should be tasting the actual chocolate beans coming through, mm. cocoa beans, uh, not overladen with sugar. Something like white chocolate is notoriously sweet because True. people, because it's expensive, made like cocoa butter only, mm. and so they fill it with sugar to try and make it cheaper to make. But we don't oh. do that because we're not using sugar. Mm. We want to make the flavour of the chocolate come out. So you should taste the chocolate come through a lot sweeter. This is really nice. It's chocolatey, but it's not too sweet. It's just yep. really very pleasant. Hopefully, mm. this mm. is our first along shelf life product. We can actually get onto the shelves of open mm. department stores, mm. maybe supermarkets one day. Mm. This is what I find interesting. People are quite happy to have a sugar-free diet drink, like mm. Coke Zero, etc. But if you say to them diet cake or diet chocolate, they're kind of like, what, what's that about? That must be horrible. And I think we're at the start of this revolution where people will be realizing one day they can go towards something like this and not have the danger of sugar. That is so nice. So, um, do you want to try some cake as well? This oh, a small a, piece, please. But actually, I, I, I don't have to say a small piece, do I? <laughs> do you like? By the way, this here we're making, these are new types of biscuit. This is actually uh, going to be made into keto Oreos. So we actually have, we call them kisses. They're like a type of biscuit, like a Viennese swirl. Oh yes, But it's two small biscuits with something in the middle. So oh. we've done a love kiss where we put buttercream and strawberry jam. We've done the Oreo now. And we did the ginger kiss, which is like a ginger nut either side. And these are really popular. Ooh. But the only thing is, everything is done by hand. So you can yes. imagine the sheer amount of labor time it takes yeah, yeah. to make these things. So we do a restock at 7 p.m. where mm. we release certain numbers so we can then keep on top of it. Otherwise, it, we couldn't put this on the website all the time. It just, no. we'd go under. It would go out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sell, sell so quickly. We sell out in like 12 to 20 minutes sometimes. Seriously? So, oh wow. yeah, yeah, because wow. we're a national brand. So people come online to buy from us from all over the place. And so if you're doing keto and low carb, if you're diabetic, they know at 7 p.m. on a Friday to come to our website ah. and then they can they can order these things. But let me just take you to try mm. some. Here you go. So you can oh, wow. try, this is one of our love kisses. This is the filling with the buttercream and the jam. Well, actually it's not even jam. We're not allowed to call it that because it's I was gonna no say sugar. it can't be jam, no. So it's actually a raspberry, uh, or in this oh, case, strawberry like a, sauce um... with chia seed and it gives it that oh, kind of texture. gelatinous yes. Yes, kind of feel. Mm. Oh, nice. And that's, and that's like the almond flour again, so mm. there's no extra sugars going into there at all. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Mm. What I find mm. incredible when mm. I tell people this as well, is if you look at like a box of our cakes, which mm. is eight pieces like you saw the tray bakes, there's actually less sugar in a box of our cakes than in a slice of bread. When you say this many net carbs or this much sugar, numbers are quite abstract and hard oh, to realize. Are. Yes. When you yes. say it like that, suddenly you realize like, you know, you can have a, a box of, I think it's actually like 20 of our little cakes is a bowl of rice. I mean, that's how low we're talking here. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. and that's why wow. I think everyone should be thinking about this. I think the, the biggest lie we have in the food industry mm. is that sweetness is synonymous with sugar and it's not. You can get sweetness other ways. If you realize that sugar is a toxic, bad thing to have in your diet, mm. you can try and replace it in some way mm. if you miss something sweet. Mm. You get other people who say, and I can understand this, that they believe it's best to give up sweet things completely. And they say, you know, don't eat sweet things. And I think, well, that's okay for them. But actually, mm. a lot of us do want something sweet now and again. But if you have it in this way, and it's not going to kind of knock you off your diet plan, or it's not going to be something that's going to be harmful to your chronic disease like diabetes, then yes. why not? Yes. And that's why this is really nice. But it, again, it doesn't taste too sweet. It's not got too much of an almondy back kick for, for people who yes, don't yeah. like almonds. Yeah. And 
that's the thing. We try to make it taste like a normal biscuit would, rather mm-hmm. than an almond equivalent, rather than exactly. a sugar equivalent. Mm-hmm. It should stand in its own right as mm-hmm. being something you can have. Exactly. What's so. interesting is, as people do give up sugar, they'll mm. find they generally tell us that they find our stuff gets sweeter. So they actually, so it's Indeed. bizarre. I think sugar because I've tried tiny bits of chocolate over Easter to try and compare our products to yeah. theirs. And the sugar kick is a really strong thing. I, I never have sugar in tea or coffee or anything like so that. So you notice it, And probably. as soon as you put even, you know, half a teaspoon in, you think, whoa, this is Yeah, 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 yeah. It does yeah, get you. True. Exactly. Yeah. So we do, like, for instance, the raspberry and white chocolate blondie, which is really popular. We also are just experimenting now with doing um, milk chocolate on things as well. So we do a millionaire shortbread. We're going to try and make that a milk chocolate version. And there's also things like our cookies and stuff. So, yeah, feel free, feel free to try. And, I mean, this is a decent-sized cookie. And I would not normally eat something this size because I think, oh, my God, the amount of sugar in here. About great. this cookie here, if this was made out of flour and sugar, I guarantee that most of us would feel hungry within an hour or two of eating it. And that's because, like I said earlier on about the hormones, you have this roller coaster going on where people are eating sugar. The sugar then, of course, it has to be got rid of from the bloodstream. The body then makes the insulin. The insulin makes it into body fat or burns it in mm. some way. And so so you get hungry again because that insulin then makes you feel hungry with other mm. hormones. But actually, because these are made out of nuts instead, they're higher in protein and they're so much more filling. It's also that thing, because I believe a key thing to understand plan is to be feel full. I think feeling yes. hungry yes. is a pretty miserable thing for anyone to yeah, feel. Yeah, yeah. And if you're eating low-carb and keto, you don't feel the hunger because you're generally eating higher fats and proteins. And True. if you eat that cookie, you're not going to feel as hungry afterwards because the satiation will last longer. The fats, what type of fats are they? Yeah, that's a really good question. Mm. So we avoid trans fats here. We're all about the healthy, natural, saturated fats. Mm. So in terms of our brownies, we always use the coconut oil. Mm. And in terms of things like that, cookie or some of our blondies, we use grass-fed butter. And so they're the two fats we use. We did mm. actually have a situation where we had tiny amounts of rapeseed oil in our essences, but we're actually eliminating all of those because we just want to make sure there's nothing inflammatory in there either. And that's the thing. I think people who do low-carbon keto, they understand that it's food that's the most important connection to our health can't outrun a bad diet and so mm. i want people to enjoy something that's not going to cause them any sort of chronic illness mm. or side effect or problem in the future and that's why we go for those healthy fats and i think with chocolate coming on board and potentially other things as well like granola something we could do bread True. is a massive thing for the mm. low-carb keto mm. community there's all these things that i think also cafes in the Cambridgeshire area would probably like to have on board because we supply a couple of cafes now and it seems to be sugar-free it's certainly something you want to give to your kids and your grandchildren in- keep them healthy. Which local cafes do you supply? The one in Hazingfield, where we used to be, and also Daily Bread, which is in Chesterton. Places like Boots and so on used to do diabetic chocolates and jams and so on, but I haven't seen those recently on the market. So you're not, I don't think you're allowed to market in the law a diabetic product anymore no. because that's targeting them, isn't it? And the second thing is I'd say on that is that not all sweeteners are the same. And so what we've worked out here is, if you think about the different sweeteners that are on the market first on the spectrum, you've got maltitol which is one that's used in a lot of diabetic friendly, supposedly mm. in quotation marks products, which actually spike blood sugar. And in some cases it can be a stronger reaction than sugar in some of these sweeteners. And so if you're taking that sweetener, there's no difference between that and sugar or it's worse. So why mm. would bother? And the reason for that is because the crystalline structure of that sweetener is better for the product's final look. So hard boiled sweets, that sort of thing. We use erythritol, which is a much more tricky thing to use. It's taken many, many hours of my life uh, at home trying to work out to make caramels out of it and all sorts. But we've cracked it now because erythritol has a cooling effect in your mouth. Other sweeteners we use actually have a warming effect in your mouth. So the two together, I've worked out how to make sure 
that there's a balance in the effects of the sweeteners to make them taste the same as sugar. It's not easy, but that's what some manufacturers try to shortcut and are using substandard sweeteners, which people know aspartame and all those sweeteners are not good. Then, like a, a, a chemical that's been made to taste sweet in your mouth. So what we're using is things like chicory root fibre and uh, erythritol, mm. which is from like yeast and, and the fermenting process, which gives you a natural sort of sweetness, mm. a spike in your blood sugar, the nasties. People sometimes say, why are you more expensive than normal brands? And I'm like, well, if you just look at a normal brownie, for instance, what you're looking at there is probably a few pence to make. Flour, the eggs, of course, are the same, etc. but the flour and the sugar are incredibly cheap in those products. Whereas when you're trying to match sweeteners that are going to kind of give you the same taste of the actual normal sugar brownie without the nasty reaction in your body and using almond flour, I mean, that's really expensive as well. Then you can see why it's going to cost you more money. But then I think people who understand that it's worth it in the long term, I think will actually benefit. I mean, type 2 diabetes, which is the vast majority of diabetes in this country, is 10% of the NHS budget. It's huge. It is, And if we it? can get that down, these foods be more expensive. We'd be better for us as a net whole as a nation. At the moment, all your sales are online, but, uh, apart from the few cafes that you mentioned. That's but you're hoping that you might expand i think so i think we've always been a direct consumer brand online through our website digitallyguiltfree.com that's worked really well for us We've got a lovely community i have a podcast uk low carb as well which is 1.5 percent of podcast now so that's like part of a community as well mm. i think that's helped show that we're more than just a brownie company or a chocolate company we're also living this lifestyle we understand mm. how it all works um, so that's been a big part of it. But I think there's definitely going to be, in the next few years, a bigger opportunity in the cafe market. I think so, certainly the gyms and those kind of chains of gyms would be great where people could cut their sugar. Um, and I think the chocolate's got a lot of scope also for the sugar-free market because not everyone does keto and low-carb, but I think we all understand whether you're vegan to carnivore that we should cut back on our sugar. Exactly. And if we can do that and keep the flavour, then it's win-win. So, plenty of low-carb and keto treats full of natural ingredients and tasty. That was Dan Grief, and you can find more about the Deliciously Guilt-Free Bakery by going online to deliciouslyguiltfree.com. And there's Green Onion signalling our job section. And Bridges of Cambridge need an extra pair of hands for their busy cafe on Bridge Street. Experience isn't essential as full training will be given. We've been to Bridges many times over the years and the man who runs it, Chan Yip, is a lovely guy who treats his staff well. So whether you're interested in full or part-time, email your CV to info at bridgescambridge.co.uk. Al Pomodoro is an Italian pizzeria that's just moved into the old Alimentum site on 152 Hills Road. And they're hiring waiters, bartenders, baristas, pizza chefs, cooks and kitchen porters. So if you like the sound of that, then do email them your resume to cambridge at alpomodoro.co.uk. And for building experience, here's a few volunteer jobs. Cambridge Community Kitchen offer free hot meals to those in need every Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday. The kitchen has been running since November 2020 from what used to be the Hotbine pub near the Grafton Centre. Positions include deep cleaning, cooking and delivery, as well as admin tasks that can be done remotely. If you'd like to help them, then fill in their registration form online at ccitchen.uk. 
And finally, the Edge Cafe on Mill Road is looking for a food hub volunteer. If you want to help prevent food going to waste and support those in food poverty, just head online to theedgecafecambridge.com and check out their volunteer page. And that's all the time we have for today. We are here on Alternate Saturdays at 12 noon, repeated on Mondays at 6pm and Thursdays at 2pm. And don't forget, we will also be available via podcast early in the next week. And coming up next on Cambridge 105 Radio this afternoon is Too Good To Be Forgotten. But that's all from us. Flav will be back on the 7th of May. So until then... Goodbye. Goodbye.